One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Welcome to the round 23 edition of the fifth and last NRL podcast, and look, isn't this season flying? We're only uh, two episodes away from having Big Louie and Big Mr. Gossip back on, but uh, I'll be flying solo this week and flying solo next week, and then uh, obviously the week after we'll get the band back together. But I want to start today's show off by talking about a little thing called momentum. Now, when we have a look at you know the run home now, we're looking obviously from round 23 in all the way through to the grand final, so an eight-week period. And when you have a look back at history, this is when traditionally teams start to make their run. Now, if we have a look at the 2010 season, that was a year St. George won. Uh, They had one loss, six wins and one loss in the period from now through to the grand final victory. The only loss was a hoodoo game against the Raiders. 2011, the Manly Ringer Seagulls. They went 6-1 also. They lost a tough game against the Broncos at Suncorp. The Melbourne Storm in 2012, when they won their premiership, they went through seven wins and zero losses. They're the only undefeated side in the past six seasons. In 2013, the Roosters, they uh, they went 5-2. They lost a game to the Sharks at Ramondas, or the prison as we like to call it, and an upset game. I think the Titans were about 11-1 to defeat them uh, in the run home. That was at Allianz Stadium. In 2014, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, they also went 5-2. and two. They lost to the Cowboys at ANZ Stadium and the Roosters at Allianz. And it's interesting because, you know, when we're looking at the 2014 season, they lost to the Cowboys, who were the Premiers in 2015, and they lost to the Roosters, who were Premiers in 2013. So they're not mug losses, those games. And last year, when the Cowboys won their Premiership, they went 5-3. and three. But they also, they had they lost to the, the South Sydney Rabbitohs at 1300 Smile Stadium, obviously the defending premiers at that point in time. They lost to the Melbourne Storm at Amy Park, which is, again, obviously a very, very tough road trip. And they lost to the Broncos at Suncorp, okay, in the first week of the finals in what was a very, very close game. So if we have a look at the premiers over the last six seasons, they're a combined win-loss of 34 wins and nine losses from round 23 through to the grand final. And they all, and I'll state that, they all finish in the top four. Four of those six teams, okay, were first in defence. So the Dragons, the Storm, the Roosters, and the Rabbitohs were first in defence. Manly were second. The only real outlier were the Cowboys, who were ranked fifth last year in defence. And, you know, if you have a look at our current top four and our current defensive standings, the Melbourne Storm are ranked number one in defence. The Cowboys second, Sharks third, the Bulldogs fourth. Now, if you have a look at our top four, 
Um, you know, it's obviously going to be vital, vital to finish in the top four. And at the moment, the Cowboys are slightly outside. So if I had to look at momentum at the moment, uh, I'd, I'd have to rank the three sides I think most likely to win it would be Melbourne, Cronulla and the Cowboys. But for the next eight weeks, I'm going to track that. I want you to do that as well. Have a, have a, put a, we'll keep a close eye on how teams track. This is where the momentum starts to build. Um, and obviously, it's going to be vitally, vitally important for the sides. Obviously, Melbourne and the Sharks are probably locked into a top four spot. But when you have a look at you know the likes of the Raiders, who are probably almost there now for a top four spot, the Cowboys, the Bulldogs, the Broncos, these sides that are still sort of uh, fighting it out for those uh, third and fourth positions, it's going to be vitally important in terms of your premiership uh, aspirations. And the magic number here is a 78% win percentage. That's what these sides had in that uh, eight-week eight period. So, you know, Cowboys, obviously, when you have a look at it, they're the outlier. They lost three games and still managed to win the competition. But history tells you that you, you can only really lose two more games in the next eight weeks. So keep a track of that. I think it's very, very interesting when you have a look at it from that perspective. Um, so we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with the Fast Five. Radio Fast Five time coming out of round 22 in the NRL. And look, the highlight for me over the weekend was the performance of the Canberra Raiders over the Cronulla Sharks. Now, we've just gone through talking about momentum and the need to build it over the, over the next uh, you know eight weeks of, in time. And at the moment, if I had to pick one team who stands out as the momentum team, it would be the Canberra Raiders. Now, they've got Melbourne on Monday night. Obviously, that's going to be another test, but... I really like the way that this side is tracking heading into the finals, and it was Cronulla's first home defeat uh, of the season. Obviously, Cronulla, Shane Flanagan and Neil Henry spoke about the fact that you know the Sharks and the Titans were both really flat uh, over the weekend coming out of that Monday night game, obviously that went to Golden Point. But look, to me, irrespective of that, I think uh, the Raiders would have won this game. I thought it was the performance of the week. They were uh, very, very impressive and look, I've got a question mark next to them. They may just be that momentum team that we've just been speaking about or we're trying to track. My low light? Now, look, I thought the refereeing in most games on the weekend was pretty poor. Uh, I attended the Parramatta Eels and Manly Seagulls game on Friday night, uh, and I was just interested to watch the referees, in the, particularly in the first 10 minutes of this game. Now, there are a few instances early. Uh, Darcy Lussick gave uh, Bo Scott a big slap on the face and a bit of a facial after he made an error. Uh, Bo Scott then proceeded, uh, Darcy Lussick dropped the ball cold, and Bo Scott just proceeded to, you know, give him a little bit of a square up, to which Matt Checken, and if you if you go back and watch the audio, the way that Matt Checken spoke to Bo Scott, it was quite disturbing, the way he screamed and shouted at uh, Bo Scott like he was a five-year-old kid. Now, look, obviously this game was decided with a Martin Tapao late hit, I just thought in this game, the referees lost control of it very, very early, and it just made for a really dour and low game for the rest of it. Now, and, and it's it's across the board. Like, I don't want to just single out these two referees, but I think the referees are going to go back, and, and I heard some discussions about, you know, Bill Harrigan over the weekend and the way that he used to referee the games uh, and take control nice and early. I think we've got to get back to that. The referees need to get back to demanding respect, taking control of the game early, blow some penalties, let the players know exactly where they're at early in the game. 
I also think the respect between player, uh, obviously, and referee and official and ref- and player, it, it's at an all-time low. The way that Matt Checken spoke to the referees is was really, really poor. Obviously, we've had Paul Green and Trent Robertson complain about Ben Cummins during this season, so that's another area of a concern for me, and that's probably why this relationship is growing further apart, not getting any closer. But I, I think the general respect between player and official has deteriorated to a level where, you know, it's, it's basically non-existent. Uh, and, and it's it's going to cost teams games, and it's going to make for poor viewing as we head into the finals. I, I really, really see it as an area to which we need to address uh, ASAP. I just thought the, the low light was the refereeing standard. I thought in multiple games it was pretty poor, and, you know, it made for a lot of low games. I, I don't want to see the referees unless I have to. Uh, and, and their job is to set the standard early and make sure that discipline is going to be adhered to and it's consistent. So for the next, you know, 70-odd minutes, we get a quality product and get a quality game. Uh, the best, I, I thought the Canberra Raiders. I couldn't go past the Canberra Raiders as my best side for the weekend. Uh, individually, I went Cameron Smith and Josh Hodgson. I thought Cameron Smith's performance uh, was Johns and Fitler-like in the, in the influence at a key moment of the game. Obviously, you could throw Lockyer and Thurston and the names like that in. Smith's obviously in that ilk, but it was outstanding. The, the penalty goal, and he hasn't been kicking real well, Smith, but the penalty goal was a clutch play at the end of the game. And then, obviously, the, the field goal to shape to go to Cronk, jump out on the short side when the markers had already shot to Cooper Cronk and take basically what was an unopposed shot at field goal was genius. And the way that Josh Hodgson played in that first half, he absolutely tore the Sharks apart through the middle of the field. And uh, Look, I don't think it's panic stations for the Sharks. Uh, there's a lot of areas that they need to address coming out of what Josh, Josh Hodgson did early in that game. However, I do or, or I do think it's something they need to have a look at And uh, you know, because sides are going to be watching exactly what Josh Hoffman did and they're going to be trying to apply that over the next few weeks. Uh, my worst, I thought the, the, the two worst performed teams were the Sharks and the Titans. I thought they both looked flat. They both looked low on energy, low on enthusiasm post the Monday night thriller. And to me, I, I don't buy this excuse that it's a short turnaround. Like, obviously, they played on Monday night. I understand they played 90 minutes. That's fine. The Sharks had to play on Saturday. The Titans on Sunday afternoon. But for me, the coaches need to take some responsibility for this because there's no excuse. The players should have the correct rest and recovery. In order to back up, it's it's a vitally important part of the year, particularly for the Titans. I was very very disappointed in the way they played as a Titans fan. Uh, they, I'm going to get into that obviously in the reviews of the games, but they they just lacked energy, they lacked enthusiasm, and that you know I think that game may come back and bite us in the backside at the back end of the season. Rightio, we'll jump into some uh, listener questions. Obviously, we've uh, I've thrown it up on Facebook and on Twitter, so we'll get your questions. Um, and get through as many of those as possible. And look, a lot of the feedback from the weekend on the social media or on social media, they were all uh, revolving around this referee touching. Unfortunately, again, we had some incidents. We had, obviously, Jared Hayne. Um, we had Josh Reynolds. Uh, you know, there was multiple, multiple uh, Alex Glenn on, on Thursday night. And the issue of consistency has come up. Um, and I, I honestly don't know how to answer it. I, I don't know how they're interpreting these rules. I, I really, really don't understand it. Apparently, uh, Todd Greenberg went on Triple M on Saturday to explain it. Uh, if you want to jump on and have a listen to that podcast, I haven't had time to do so. And 
to be fair, I'm not interested in the spin. I just think it's ridiculous that that's the number one priority that the, that the game seems to have, or the referees at least seem to have at the moment. It's re- it's absolutely ridiculous. So hopefully we can move past it. But at the moment, they've made a rod for their own back. That if they either charge everyone or they don't. Um, and look, there's a question here from Troy. What will happen with Hayne, Glenn, Reynolds this week in terms of suspension for touch, touching the ref? Well, none of them have been charged. So I I have no idea how we get to a point where last week Tyson Frizzelli's charged and then this week there's three clear incidents where the referee's been touched, whether uh, you know we're using our discretion in terms of deliberate or you know obviously not deliberate, but I, I really don't understand it. Uh, another question, Trent Hart. Did the NRL lose a star prematurely with Benny Rogers? I haven't seen a six with vision and service as good as him in a long time. Look, Benny was a quality player, no doubt about that, um, and he would have gone on to have, um, you know, a, a, obviously a bright NRL career. I still wouldn't say he had a poor career, put it that way, um, but he probably didn't have the longevity in the game that, um, you know, that he would have liked. Daniel Friend, premiership favourite and second favourite. Uh, look, for me at the moment... And look, this is just my interpretation. I've got the Melbourne Storm and the Canberra Raiders as a two for me, uh, based on what I've seen over the last few weeks. Uh, and they obviously clash on uh, on Monday night. So that, that's going to be an outstanding game. I really can't wait for that. Peter Dixon, how come we keep getting double standards with touching the ref suspensions? Frizzell versus Hayne, mate. I, I don't know. I, I don't think uh, Hayne should have been charged, but also I don't think Frizzell should have been charged. I, I, look, I think it's... It's just unprecedented. I've never seen anything like this in the game in terms of inconsistencies, uh, lack of um, you know any explanation from the NRL. It just seems taboo. I really don't understand what's happening. So the sooner they either... Well, as I said, for the next eight weeks, we're going to have this inconsistency within the game, and this is going to take up most of the discussion, which is sad because we're heading into the part of the year where we need to be talking about the football. Not about blokes touching referees or making contact with referees or, you know, whether it's deliberate or accidental or whatever. It just seems ridiculous to me. So, look, the less we talk about it, I think the better. I do understand there's inconsistencies and people are going to be upset. Uh, I wouldn't have been upset if Hayne got charged, obviously, as a Titans fan. I don't think he should have been. But then again, if you look at the Frizzell one, I don't think Frizzell should have been charged either. So they're just getting it wrong at the moment, the NRL, and they've really, really got to have a, a long, hard look at it uh, over the, well, at least over the off-season and try and make sure that we kick off round one and, uh, you know, we've got this all sorted out and, you know, we obviously know what the interpretations are and, and what you can and can't do in, in regards to referee contact. Timmy O'Donnell, he's asked uh, about a Dean Ritchie article, which he's, he's written today, Bulldogs Bite, is it time for a legend to retire? Oh, sorry, it is time for a legend to retire in regards to Benji Marshall now. Look, to me, I think he's uh, he's run his race. I think he could go to England and play a couple of years over there. But look, in the NRL, if you're not going to play direct as a half um, and, and, you know, you struggle in defence, you're, you're going to find your way out of first grade pretty quickly. Uh, Benji, he has been a great player. I thought he had a, a... He really surprised me with how he played last year. But look, this year he's been very, very ordinary, to be fair. Uh, and the Dragons, they've lost a lot of close games. They've needed his direction. They've needed his leadership. And I think his his lack of form has really affected Gareth Widdop. Obviously, with having Josh Dugan out as well, doesn't help. But, yeah, it's I, I tend to agree with Bulldog Richie on this one. I think it's time for Benji to either move, move aside 
um, and retire or move to England. Our question from Eddie. What's your view on Vaughan being demoted from Raiders to New South Wales Cup form or conflict with Ricky? I don't think it's a conflict with Ricky. I think Paul Vaughan's been a victim of, obviously, Junior Paulo going to the Raiders, but I don't understand how he's getting a run or how he's not getting a run over a few of the Raiders bench players. Uh, Look, if I'm picking the side, I'd definitely have Paul Vaughan in it. I think he's definitely going to be a future rep player. Um, He's someone who I think if, if you're really looking to recruit a player... Uh, especially in the front row, I'd, I'd love to see some clubs go after Paul Vaughan. I think the Sharks, you know, obviously they're going to their, their roster in the middle, particularly, is looking a little bit old. I think the Titans could do with a bloke like Paul Vaughan. Obviously, the Knights. There's plenty of clubs out there where Paul Vaughan would come in and he'd start every week. So, look, uh, he's probably a victim of uh, obviously the quality form of the Raiders side and also. You know, just that Ricky obviously values the other guys on the bench more than the contribution that Vaughan can give him. So, you know, and that's a horses for courses thing. But for me, Vaughan wouldn't have been dropped. I'd still carry him on the bench. But, you know, I'm not Ricky Stewart. And whatever Ricky Stewart's doing at the moment in Canberra, I'm uh, in no position to criticise because they're, they're flying at the moment, the Raiders, and they look really, really good. Okay, Legends of the Turf. Only two teams have won more games than the Bulldogs this year. How does a team... Uh, how does a team that has so much criticism end up in a position like it has in such a long competition? Uh, very good question. Look, I don't think it's... They've accumulated points, the Bulldogs, but they've just been unconvincing in doing so. So, I, you know, I don't think there's a criticism... There's not a criticism of the fact that they've won a lot of games. I think the criticism is is that most people believe the way they play, they're not going to be able to win the competition. And I tend to subscribe to that theory as well. I don't think the Bulldogs can play the way they are currently and win the competition or or play the way that they have for the majority of the year and win the comp. For mine, they don't have enough attacking spark. Their kicking game isn't good enough, particularly in forcing repeat sets. It's just non-existent for the Bulldogs. They they don't know how to do it. Um, Or uh, Des Hazel won't allow them to kick inside the 20. We've seen games there where they just have refused to kick. So that's something they need to address. I think their attack has got better. It's still a little bit pedestrian, and when they get put under pressure, the Bulldogs, they tend to go back to that same boring structure that is ineffective. You saw that against the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago when they got blown out. Uh, they they just panicked and went back to that old style. I like it when they roll forward, play in numbers, uh, and that opens up Mbai and Reynolds uh, to obviously run the ball, which is their strength. Their, their strength isn't... They're not going to pull you apart with game management and intelligence. Their, their strength is getting on the back of that big forward pack and playing direct and running. Uh, look, I don't think they can win it. I, I haven't really criticised them. I know the, a lot of people in the media have, have probably gone after the Bulldogs a little bit this year, but uh, they're, they're as good a chance of any of those teams around the top four to finish in the top four. And if they do, who's to say they can't win four games? You know, they did it in 2012, uh, went on a bit of a run and made the grand final and only ended up losing that game. Uh, in a tight one to Melbourne. So, you know, Des Hazel's got the form on the board. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be I'll be very, very surprised if they don't end up in the top four or, or at least in fifth position. Uh, Jordan Palmer, your top four for the end of the season. And also, any way Melbourne can stop playing shit against shit teams. Annoys the crap out of me. Well, Jordan, I... A lot of teams, those lower teams, they lift against Melbourne because they know if they don't, they'll get their pants pulled down. So... I don't think it's the case that Melbourne play poorly. I think it's more the other teams rise up to play against Melbourne because I know if they don't, they're probably going to be on the end of a shellacking. 
Uh, and, you know, in reference to this weekend, I thought the Rabbitohs were very, very good. I thought particularly, or sorry, personally, I thought that was a rated, uh, the Rabbitohs' best performance of the season. I know they didn't win. They've had wins and, you know, people people might say, oh, no, there's another game. There might be another game or two where they played slightly better. But I thought against a quality opposition, that's as good as I've seen the Raiders play. And that, uh, sorry, the Rabbitohs play. And they were, they were very, very, very unlucky not to win that game. It was only a couple of stupid, dumb, ill-disciplined plays at the end of it that cost them. Otherwise, they would have beaten Melbourne. Uh, now, the Storm, they're, they're, to me, I don't know whether they're, they're firing uh, on all cylinders. I think they, they've got a lot of improvement left in them, the Melbourne Storm. Uh, my top four at the end of the year, I, I, I can't see it not being Storm, Raiders, Sharks, Cowboys in no particular order. Obviously, Storm and Sharks will be top two, uh, and then it'll be Raiders, Cowboys. I can't see... Or I don't think any other team deserves to be in the top four. Um, the, the only other side that you could really throw in are the Bulldogs and the Broncos. I think the Bulldogs uh, are, are a chance of finishing top four, but however, I think they'll finish fifth, and I think the Broncos will finish sixth. I, I don't think either of those teams deserve to finish in the top four. I think clearly the best four sides in the comp are the Storm, Sharks, Raiders, and Cowboys. If, if anyone outside of those four won the competition, I would be very, very surprised. Okay, and that's all the questions for this week. Obviously, we're recording a little bit early. It's only 1 o'clock on Tuesday, so uh, there'll be more questions, obviously, that roll in. Uh, those that do roll in a little bit later, I'll answer those on social media, um, and next week I'll try and get that status up a little bit earlier. But uh, we'll move on. I'm going to have a look at my tiers again. Uh, last week, obviously, I went through a, a little tiered system that I've worked out in terms of ranking the sides, and I've also been asked to go back and give you some power rankings. I know we did them at the start of the year, so I'm going to go through both of them now. Look, my tiers, now, guaranteed top four. I had them last week. That hasn't changed. The Storm and the Sharks are still there. Guaranteed top eight, that hasn't changed either. The Raiders, the Bulldogs, the Cowboys, and the Broncos. In the mix, hasn't changed. Panthers, Warriors, Tigers, Titans, and dead. I had Manly and the Dragons dead last week. Uh, They're definitely dead now, so I've got Manly, Dragons, Eels, Souths, Roosters, Knights. Hopefully this week I can cross off one or two more teams or cement one or two more teams into the top four. I think if the Raiders can defeat the Melbourne Storm, I'd be happy to put them in as guaranteed top four. Uh, and obviously, I think the loser of the Tigers v Titans game is probably going to be out um, and and not well. It's going to be not out, but they're going to be really behind the eight ball in terms of making the top eight this year. Now, my power rankings, I'm going to do these every week, and this is this is how I rank the teams from 1 to 16 based on form. Not on anything else, not on points, not on, you know, reputation, not on anything but other than what I'm, what I'm seeing over the last few weeks and uh, in terms of who I think the best side in the competition is. Now, number one, I've got the Melbourne Storm. I think, look, I know they can be a little bit lethargic, and we've just answered Jordan's question in regards to that. They, they can uh, struggle, I guess, or... Uh, you know, struggle to put away sides from time to time. But the thing is, they win. They, they win. They're in a habit of winning. Uh, they're sitting right up the top. They're going to have a home semi-final. I think they'll win first week of the finals. They'll have a week off, and then they'll have a home semi in Melbourne to make another grand final. They're going to be very, very hard to, to, to stop in terms of at least making the grand final this year. At number two, I've got the Canberra Raiders. I think they're the momentum team at the moment. They obviously smashed the, uh, the Sharks on the weekend. There's no uh, dancing around that. They've got the Storm this week, so there's a chance for them. If they beat the Storm, I'm happy to pop them at number one in the power rankings next week. Number three, I've got the Sharkies. Obviously, they've they had that really, really long streak, and then now they've had a draw and a loss. Uh, but I think they're still clearly in that 
uh, group of four teams who, you know, I, I rate as the only four that can win the competition. At number four, I've got the Cowboys. They've slid a little bit. That performance on the weekend rung a few alarm bells for me, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, providing they bounce back this week. At number five, I've got the Warriors. I think the Warriors have been very, very, very good over the last month, um, and I've, I've ranked them just ahead of the Bulldogs, who I've got at number six, purely because I think if the Warriors and the Bulldogs played a game this weekend, I think the Warriors would win. I've got the Bulldogs at six. Again, they just keep winning. They find a way to win. They're not ultra-impressive, but Des Hasler's got a formula there which wins games and puts this club in a position at the end of most seasons in order to win a title. Number seven, this might surprise a few people. I've got the West Tigers. I think they've been absolutely outstanding in the last three weeks. I know people will question who they've played and who they've defeated uh, and the way that obviously the Cowboys played in the weekend, but I'm going to give the Cowboys credit for the way that the Cowboys, uh, sorry, the Tigers credit for the way that the Cowboys played in the weekend. I don't think there's any way to sidestep around that. I they were outstanding, the Tigers. They really got the Cowboys off their game, and they've now won three in a row. Uh, and, you know, they look good. They're going to play the Titans this week, uh, and they're going to run home where they, you know, they run into this, all the teams that they're going to play uh, or be fighting against in the top eight run. So, look, at the moment, I'd almost have the Tigers, or I've got the Tigers as one of the favourites to end up in the top eight. Uh, number eight, I have the Brisbane Broncos. They've been unconvincing. They, I've been waiting for them uh, to find their gear, but they just don't seem to have it this year. Uh, I don't know what happened. I've still got a mate. I think they'll end, uh, end up in the top eight, obviously, on the back of all those games they won early, earlier in the year. Uh, but, look, it'll be a big couple of weeks for the Broncos. They need to really convince me. They've got the Eels this week. That's a game they should win at home. And then I think they play the Dragons. So, you know, they win those two and a couple of sides ahead of them lose some games or, or, or are upset, they're going to be a chance of getting back in that top four mix. But their form at the moment just doesn't doesn't tell me that they're going to end up in the top four. At number nine, I've got the Penrith Panthers. They were great last night. Uh, but again, against who? The, the, you know, the Roosters were obviously undermanned and haven't been playing great footy all year. And the Panthers, they demolished them and, you know, rightfully so. But I've got the Panthers at the moment finishing just outside my top eight. Uh, but, you know, they play the Tigers next Friday night. So, to me, the Tigers have got two semi-finals in a row. They've got the Titans uh, and the Panthers. The Panthers have got Newcastle this week, and then they run into the Tigers, and then they run into the Titans. So, you know, all these sides play each other. So, it's going to work itself out naturally over the, over the next few weeks. At number 10, I've got the Titans. I just... Well, there's news around that Tyron Roberts is going to be out for the next three to four weeks. If that's the case, as a Titans fan, I've watched them all year, I can't see them making the top eight. He... They need another half. They've lost, obviously, Kane LG. They're going to throw Hayne there. You know, Hayne did some really brilliant individual things, but what we missed from time. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Roberts is his kicking game and it's just his composure to push the side around the park. Um, and look, I, I've got the Titans in at 10th in the power rankings at the moment. Number 11, I've got the Eels, and they're playing better than the teams below them, in my opinion. They're trying really hard. 
despite having very little to play for. Number 12, I've got Manly. I think their season's now over. They've sparked up a little bit at the back end, Manly, but I still I really struggle to watch them. I don't understand um, a lot of their play. They're very one-dimensional. It seems to be Cherry Evans does it um, or Tommy Trebojevic does it, and outside of that, there's not a lot there. Number 13, I've got the South Sydney Rabbitohs, but based on uh, the weekend's performance, if they can keep playing like that, they'll, they'll climb my power rankings. I thought they were really, really good on Saturday night and very unlucky to lose that game. Number 14, I've got the Dragons. They've been really poor, but the only two sides I've got below them, I think the Dragons would beat or at least get close to beating uh, over, you know, uh, if they've matched up this weekend. Number 15, the Roosters, but I think if Pierce was in and Jarrabria Hargreaves, uh, they would beat the Dragons. I think they actually play each other um, next weekend. So we'll get, get to have a look at that next weekend, but uh, based on last night's performance, I've got to rank the Roosters at 15. And at 16, I've got the Knights. That's purely on roster. I honestly think the Newcastle Knights are going to uh, they're going to win a game. One of these last four games, the Newcastle Knights will win. I'm happy to, you know, put uh, put a little bet on with anyone who wants to uh, who wants to take me up on it. But I think the Newcastle Knights will ruin someone's season in the next four weeks, and uh, that'll be as good as making the semi-finals for them in terms of the year that they've had. Uh, we'll take a quick break now, and then I'll come back and review all the games coming out of round 22 in the NRL. Alrighty, review time. The Broncos on Thursday night, they defeated the St. George Illawarra Dragons 12 points to 8 down there at Wynn Stadium in pretty crap conditions, let's be fair. And look, I thought it was a pretty ordinary game. The Broncos, they got into the grind. They needed to. They needed that sort of game. I think that game probably brought more out of them than what a you know a soft opposition you know style game would have brought out. I thought the conditions probably made them tighten up a little bit uh, and just get back to those basic little areas of their game which they needed to work on. I thought their kicking game was much improved. The Brisbane Brisbane Broncos, but there's still a few signs there that they've got a ways to go. You know, in terms of getting back to that sort of form that saw them up the top of the table earlier in the season. Now, look, I thought the Dragons' attack, again, was very ordinary. Benji Marshall was... was That's probably the worst game I've seen Benji play in Dragons' colours, and obviously that's why all these questions have been raised about, you know, whether the Dragons should re-sign him next year and, you know, obviously where they're going. Um, there's also questions around, and I'm going to get to that during our gossip section, uh, about who will be coaching the side next year and, and Paul McGregor's role in all of that, so... We'll get to that, but I thought, look, this was a low game overall, probably dictated too by the conditions. I thought the refereeing was also pretty ordinary, but look, the Broncos got the win. They needed it, you know, after a couple of poor performances, um, and they'll obviously move on this week and try and consolidate that. The Dragons, if anything, that put the final nail in the coffin for them, and I'll be very interested to see how they play over the next few weeks, whether they open up their style or whether they stick to that boring basic structure that they've been trying to... Uh, you know, implement that just is not working. They need to get someone in there to add some spark to their attack. Friday night, the Parramatta Reels, they pipped and, and ended Manly's season, winning 10-9 at Parramatta Stadium. Manly, they were ordinary. The whole game was pretty ordinary. I thought the refs were, were bad. It made for a very low game. But the Eels were tough, and I thought they deserved to win. Uh, you know, I know they only they got over the line with a a late penalty goal, but, you know, you're looking at really only Jeff Robson pushing that side around. I thought Bevan French and, and Michael Gordon came in with some good touches, and I thought uh, the Eels forwards, you know, tended to tough it out, but 
Uh, it was more manly zeal discipline, and there I thought their attitude was poor. Uh, the other thing I noticed was after the game, a lot of the Manly players were laughing, laughing about losing, and it just seemed to be a bit of a carefree attitude. The one player who I, you know, I, I really took notice of was Tom Trebojevic. He was devastated. He he, he looked like honestly he was going to cry, um, and I love that. I want to see that. If I'm a, if I'm a Manly fan, that's exactly the sort of disappointment um, and disgust in the performance that I want to see. The rest of them, I think, need to take a bit of a look at themselves, and that might be a reflection on why they are where they are. Uh, they rely too much for me on Cherry Evans and Tabojevic. Uh, they've got to get back to playing that power game. Uh, I think they're missing Matt Parcell. I think he offers a lot out of nine. Uh, but, you know, without the power game, you're not going to get those key players getting over the advantage line and with the opposition defence on the back foot. Uh, Saturday, our first game, 3 o'clock game. The Bulldogs, 28. They defeated the Knights, 14, up there in Newcastle. Now, look, I thought... The, the Knights were in this game for a long time, but again, they, you know, they had a little flutter of points there, a little flurry of points where they had some momentum. But uh, outside of that, the Bulldogs were too classy. I thought again, the Knights they were brave. The effort was very, very good, but the Bulldogs' class prevailed in the end. And but as I said before, I think the Knights they're going to win another game this year. Uh, the second game on Saturday, the Canberra Raiders thirty. They smashed the Sharks fourteen. The Sharkies were obviously flat. The Raiders they were high on energy, their intensity. Their speed, they played very direct. Their their attack was great, in my opinion. Uh, and I look, I look at their defence, and I think it's improving. So uh, there's some really bright signs there for the Canberra Raiders, but it will get a good test on Monday night against the Storm, obviously. The Sharkies, they're flat. They've got a few things they need to address, but it's probably a good wake-up call for them. People are saying that they probably needed to have a, a win, uh, sorry, a loss heading into the finals, where they've now had a draw and a loss, so... Uh, it'll give Shane Flanagan some ammo and uh, it'll probably bring the Sharks back down to focus on the basics. The last game on Saturday, the Melbourne Storm 15, they defeated the South Sydney Rabbitohs 14 in Golden Point. Look, I thought the Storm for the majority of this were flat uh, and they really struggled to gain any momentum, but I think that was because it was the Rabbitohs' best performance of the season. I thought the Rabbitohs were outstanding, but the Melbourne Storm, they just managed to pinch it late and it was due again to the Rabbitohs' ill-discipline and that's for me, you know, it's attitude and discipline are the two reasons why uh, the Rabbitohs find themselves where they are at the moment. Uh, and it doesn't make, it doesn't take a big shift in your attitude or in your discipline to, to you know, take you from 7th or 8th where they finished last year down to 13th and 14th where they currently sit. So, look, I think the Rabbitohs, they've got a, a pretty good roster. There's talk that Robbie Farrow's going to go there on a two-year deal. I think uh, that's obviously the problem area for them. They've got the pack there, but they're just struggling to find anyone coming out of nine that's making an impact. I don't know why Damian Cook hasn't been playing there for the majority of the season. For me, he's a better nine than uh, Cameron McInnes, and that's no no offence to Cameron McInnes. I think McInnes is a good bench utility. Uh, but look, for me, I would have had Damian Cook starting. For the fact he gets out of nine and he, he, he can break the line, he's got pretty good leg speed, and he tends to bring players uh, onto the ball. Um, you know, and I think he straightens up the Rabbitohs' attack a lot. Uh, the first game on Sunday was obviously the most anticipated clash of the round where the Warriors took on the Gold Coast Titans, a return of Jared Hayne, obviously. Look, I thought the, the Titans are really, really struggling with only one half on the field. Ash Taylor, a lot of pressure on him, a lot of pressure on his kicking game, a lot of pressure on him organising and directing the Titans' attack. They, I thought the Titans played dumb. They played through the middle of the field. Uh, and they look really flat, low on energy. The Warriors, they were tough. Uh, they were hard, physical. I, I thought they looked fast. They made a lot of yards through the Titans' middle. 
thought they stuck to their task really, really well, and they deserve to win. Uh, on a bit of a side note, look, Jared Haney uh, exceeded my expectations. He played much better uh, than I could have predicted or, or could have hoped. So hopefully he continues to get better. Um, I thought he added some really, really classy touches during the game, and I look forward to see how he improves over the next few weeks and whether he can have an impact on the Titans, hopefully making the top eight from my perspective. Uh, on Sunday, the second game, the main game, 4 o'clock, the Tigers at Leichhardt, 26. They pumped the Cowboys 14, and I think, if anything, that scoreline flatters the Cowboys a little bit. They were very, very ordinary. Uh, JT looked underdone. It didn't look like his hamstring was 100%. Um, and look, the, the decision to drop Robbie Farrar, it's been vi- uh, validated, absolutely validated. They've won three straight. They've just de- defeated the defending premiers. So if anything, I think that's the last nail in the coffin from a Robbie Farrar perspective. And Jason Taylor, Taylor he's going to be feeling very vindicated um, and good on him for sticking to his guns and, and making that call. Look, I think the Tigers... They're warming really nicely. They've got a nice style. And this was obviously without Luke Brooks. Mitchell Moses was, again, good. I love this Josh Alloway on the edge. He's hard running. He's tough. And James Tedesco, I think he broke something like 12 tackles, which is just ridiculous. Um, he ran right over the Cowboys and uh, and well done to the Tigers. They look like they're coming good at the right time of the year. Uh, and the round wrapped up with the Panthers, 38 over the Roosters, 18 last night. Obviously, no Pierce and Jarrell Rhea Hargreaves for the Roosters. The Panthers, I thought they were good, but they beat, obviously, a low side, an undermanned side. The Roosters, no halves. I thought the game was competitive from, you know, 0 to 80, but as soon as the Roosters got into the, the Panthers' 20 to try and attack, they just come up with nothing. Ryan Madison just seemed to want to kick the ball um, every play, I thought the Roosters defensively, they you know they were a little bit lackluster. Their line speed wasn't really good. I think Aiden Guerra is having a terrible season. Um, Boyd Cordner was outstanding in that game, but look, I thought Nathan Cleary led the Panthers around really, really well. Uh, it was a polished performance from them. They'll take a lot out of that, and obviously they go uh, up to Newcastle this week, looking to make it uh, two in a row. So. Uh, the Panthers fans will be hoping that they can do that, and then obviously they come back to play the Tigers at home uh, the following Friday night. That wraps up the reviews for this week. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and then I'll get into a little bit of gossip. Alrighty, a little bit of uh, NRL gossip. I've given uh, Mr. Gossip a little bit of a mid-season hiatus. Um, we're going to get him back when Louis comes back and uh, we'll get the whole band together. But for the next, uh, obviously for this week and next week, I'm just going to go through the gossip very quickly. Uh, look, there's reports at the moment that Robbie Farry signed a two-year deal with the Rabbitohs. So Mr. Gossip is telling me that that is a done deal. It's a two-year deal and Robbie Farrer will be at the South Sydney Rabbitohs in 2017. I think it's a good move. Robbie had to... Uh, he had to move on from the West Tigers. They've gone past him. He's obviously a club legend. No one's ever going to take that away from him. But I think, look, the Bunnies have got an obvious hole at nine. It makes sense. He's going to add a little bit to the to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And I think it's a good move because Robbie can just go there and play. First and foremostly, Robbie, you're a player. Go there and play, mate. Get back to enjoying your footy. Whether you like him or not, you know, he divides a lot of people, Robbie Farrah, but he, needs, he is a good footballer. He, he's got the potential to really make an impact on the South side. So I look forward to watching him go around in the South Sydney Colours in 2017 and 2018. Now, there's talk that Ivan Cleary, he's going to go to the Dragons and demote uh, Paul McGregor to assistant. 
Now, this is pretty strong mail from Mr. Gossip. And uh, look, I think the Dragons, they're obviously in need of a, a bit of a reshuffle and a rethink in terms of their attacking structure, the way the club's been run. And I think Ivan Cleary, he can bring that. Uh, he's got a very, very different style of attacking uh, which would have a nice effect, I think, on the Dragons. And Mary, if he's willing to drop back and be his assistant, I think it's a good move for both parties. Um, and I think that would really improve the Dragons. But for me, the, the obvious question for, for St George is they need to, uh, St George Illawarra, they need to find a, another half. They're going to let Benji Marshall go. You've got to have someone in there to replace him. Uh, I don't know whether they've got anyone in the 20s um, or in New South Wales Cup. I know Hutchinson come up and played a little bit, but he didn't overly impress me. I'd probably rather keep Benji. Than him, um, whether you look at maybe playing Dugan in the halves, I don't know. They've got to look at something. Something's got to be shaken up there. You know, I wouldn't mind Dugan playing in the halves for the fact that he'll run the ball, he'll straighten up, he won't want to play block block. Uh, and I think Gareth Witter at the moment he looks lost. He's really really struggling without you know Benji's form struggling. He's been in and out of the side. They don't have any stability at nine. So Mitch Rain. He's been coming off the bench lately, so just in key positions are really letting Gareth Whitt down. I think if Ivan Cleary goes there, he's going to improve that side. Whether enough to make the top eight, I don't know, but he'll definitely know the players. He may even attract someone like a James Seguiaro there, which would really straighten up the Dragons' attack and improve them. Uh, the other few things he's got, Brett Stewart is apparently going to move to the Catalan Dragons. Obviously, that's where his brother Glenn is playing currently. It makes sense. Tommy Trebojevic. You can't not, you know, whack him on a wing again and, and whack him on the wing next year. He's got to stay at one. He's the future of the club. Brett Stewart, again, very similar to the Farris situation. Uh, he's been a club legend. No one will ever forget that. He's probably going to go down as one of the all. Or he's going to be one of the all-time try scorers at Brookvale, um, and he's had a great career there. But you, you're better off to to move on while you've still, you know, got the legs in you. He can go over and play probably two or three years over at Catalans with his brother and have a great time over there in, in what is an easier competition. Uh, the Rabbitohs are going to sign a young man named Braden Burns, who I had a lot to do with last year in the Penrith Under-20 setup. Uh, a very, very talented young man from country New South Wales. Uh, look, he's he's fast, very agile, probably needs to put a little bit of weight on, but, look, he's a good pickup for the, the Rabbitohs, and he was someone who I know that when he was recruited... Uh, he was touted to play in the NRL, so it looks like he'll do so, not with the Panthers, but uh, with the Rabbitohs. And they've also snared Robert Jennings, uh, who, again, I've had a little bit to do with again last year in the in the Panthers 20 setup. So this is smart recruitment from Michael Maguire, attacking, obviously, what is the strongest 20s roster in the competition. And, look, Robert Jennings has played a handful of first-grade games. He's had his injury concerns, but, you know, on the surface, he's, he's as good as um, his brother, Michael, and... You know, if he could stay healthy and get the right coaching and get an opportunity, I'm sure he'd develop into, you know, a very similar player. It's looking like William Zillman, he's going to be going to the Dragons and David Mead to the Bunnies. So, look, if if the the Bunnies can get Burns, Jennings and Mead, like, I I really, really want the Titans to keep David Mead. It looks as though that ship might have sailed. But, uh, look, William Zillman to the Dragons, yeah, I can cop that. Obviously, he's, he's going to play in the outside backs and... Um, but he's obviously not going to play fullback. They may be targeting him as a centre, I'm not sure, um, or a winger. But that one, I'd be happy to see Zilman walk from the Titans. But I'd really like to see the Titans keep David Mead. But there's reports that Zilman's going to go to the Dragons and David Mead is going to go to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Look, we'll take a quick break and then I'm going to get into all the previews and all the tips ahead of round 23 in the NRL. 
All righty, round 23 preview. Uh, and the game, well, the weekend kicks off this weekend on a Thursday night again with the Canterbury Bulldogs. They're taking on the Manly Seagulls at ANZ Stadium, 7.50pm. Look, I think uh, this is a game that, you know, looks a little bit difficult on the surface to pick. But, look, after last week's results, you think that Manly are now going to put the queue in the rack. Their season is done. The Canterbury Bulldogs, I expect to... Uh, you know, I don't think they'll have it all their own way, the Canterbury Bulldogs, but I expect them to win, especially at home. Um, and William Hill agrees. They've got the Canterbury Bulldogs at $1.50, the Manly Seagulls at $2.60. Friday night, a pretty big big game for the Broncos. They take on the Eels at the Suncorp, uh, at Suncorp Stadium at 7.50pm. The Brisbane Broncos, they're $1.22, Parramatta $4.25. Now, again, very similar to Thursday night's game. I think, obviously, Parramatta don't have a lot to play for. But I don't think Brisbane are going to have it all their own way here. The Parramatta Eels, they've turned up every week. They try hard. Um, and, the, and the form that Brisbane are displaying at the moment, I think this will be a real game. Um, I expect Brisbane just to come out with enough in the end, obviously with the inclusion of those few key forwards last week, help them. Uh, and look, I thought the Eels were, were, were good, obviously defeating Manly, but I think Brisbane are a different beast to the Manly Seagulls. The first game on Saturday out at Campbelltown Stadium, basically a semi-final. The West Tigers, they take on the Gold Coast Titans. The West Tigers, tight, uh, slight favourites here, $1.82. The Gold Coast Titans, $2. Uh, look, I expect West to win this. Obviously, I'm going to go out on my Titans man. Um, you know, if you, you put a gun to me head, I'd say that the Tigers would win this based purely on the home ground advantage. I thought the Titans were poor last week. I think the Tigers are riding a wave of momentum at the moment. Um, and I'm going to... Yeah, I, I think they're going to win this one. I'd love to see the Gold Coast roll them, but, um, you know, I'm not too sure that that's going to happen. I've got my fingers crossed, though. Uh, the second game on Saturday uh, is at Mount Smart Stadium. The New Zealand Warriors, they take on the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, this is a no-brainer for me. The Warriors have to win this game. They drop this game. They come right back to the field. They've just got their nose ahead. They've just defeated the Gold Coast Titans in an almost semi-final-style game. They've got themselves in a position now where they probably only need to win two more games to land into the top eight. They're $1.36. I expect them uh, to get there. South Sydney, if you fancy them, $3.15. Look, you have to give South a chance if they can reproduce the form they showed in uh, Melbourne last week, but I think it might be tough for them to back that up, particularly after the disappointment of having lost that game. Uh, The last game on Saturday night uh, is at Oakey Jubilee uh, Stadium. And the Dragons take on the Sharks. The Dragons, $4.25. Cronulla, $1.22. Look, it's a no-brainer. I think Cronulla win here. The Dragons might feel the wrath of the bounce-back factor here from the Sharks. Uh, The first game on Sunday, the Newcastle Knights up in Newcastle. They take on the Penrith Panthers. The Knights, $5. The Panthers, $1.17. I don't know whether it's going to be that style of game. I think this will be... Similar to the Bulldogs game on the weekend, I think it might be closer than what people expect, but I do expect Penrith to win in the end. And if they don't, uh, it wouldn't surprise me because I think Newcastle are getting closer and closer and closer to a win. So uh, Penrith won't have it all their own way, and they better be really on their game here because Newcastle are a different beast up there at, uh, at, at Hunter Stadium, and they've been getting some really, really good support up there. So Newcastle fans, continue to get out there and support your team. They're doing their best. Uh, the second game or the main game on Sunday, is the Sydney Roosters versus the North Queensland Cowboys at Allianz Stadium. The Cowboys, they're $1.50 favourites. The Roosters, $2.60. 
Uh, for me, look, I think the Cowboys, again, similar to the Sharks. I think they're going to bounce back and bounce back in a big way this week. The Roosters, they're going to need Mitchell Pearce and Jarabria Hargreaves just to compete in this game. I'm tipping the Cowboys. I think they'll uh, they'll win and win well. And then on Monday night, the game of the round, the Canberra Raiders down at... Uh, uh, down at GIO Stadium in Canberra. It'll be nice and cold down there for the boys, but uh, they take on the Melbourne Storm. The Melbourne Storm, $1.68 favourites. Uh, I really like the Raiders in this game. They're at $2.20. Uh, and look, I, this is a flip the coin game. I think Melbourne are getting closer to a loss. You saw that again last week. They looked a little bit flat. Canberra riding a wave of momentum, so I think it's going to be a very, very close game. But, uh, you know, I think the Canberra Raiders, they're a massive, massive chance of of uh, knocking off the two premiership heavy, heavyweights in back-to-back weeks. Um, in terms of our tips for this week, uh, when we look at the Bulldogs-Manly game, we've all tipped the Bulldogs. The Broncos-Eels game, we've all tipped the Broncos. The Tigers-Titans game, I've tipped the Tigers. Mr. Gossip has tipped the Titans, and Lewis has tipped the Tigers. Uh, looking at the New Zealand versus Rabbits game, we've all tipped the Warriors. Looking at Dragon Sharks, we've all tipped the Sharks. Looking at Knights Panthers, obviously we've all tipped the Panthers. And the final two games, Roosters Cowboys, we've all tipped the Cowboys. And on Monday night, I, I've tipped uh, the Raiders. Mr. Gossip's tipped the Storm. And Lewis has tipped the Raiders. So, you know, me and Louie were on the Ra- Raiders bandwagon. Uh, <laughs> we said that they'd improve this year. I, I didn't actually have them in my eight. I, I thought they they end up just outside it just because you know that's obviously what they've done in years gone by but it's really really good to see that for this year they've won a few of those close games and they now find themselves in top four contention so well done to everyone down in Canberra Um, we'll come back I'll do a couple of live reads and then we'll wrap it up for our round 23 podcast a quick one we're going to have a look at my charity bet for the week I've had a three leg multi I'm going the bounce back teams I'm going Cronulla at $1.22 the Cowboys at $1.50 into the Canberra Raiders to cause the upset that's paying uh, just over $4 so $100 on with our bonus bet we stand to win about $300 into the charity account so fingers crossed we can get that over the line uh, having a look again at our live reads and our, our sponsors, obviously William Hill. If you're going to have a bet on any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. WilliamHill.com.au. Get the app. Um, it's much easier to bet on there. And if you're going to have a crack on the NRL, make sure you do it with our, our sponsors, William Hill. Uh, the podcast, obviously, is also partnered with Kaizen Sports Performance. They're devoted towards bridging the gap between amateur and elite sport. They are on a mission to provide all athletes the opportunity to experience high-performance training, resources, support that only elite athletes receive. Our business services include performance academies, functional movement screenings, team building and leadership workshops and pre-season camps. The Kaizen Rugby League Summer Academy is coming soon, so check them out on Facebook at Kaizen Sports Performance to keep up to date with all activity. And RLCM, who I'm in the process of writing an article for, um, I had a bit of an injury last week. Actually, I strained a disc in my back training for the City to Surf, um, so I didn't actually get to finish that off. So it won't be in this uh, August edition. It'll be in the September edition of RLCM. But make sure you do sign up as a member. It's a really, really great resource. 
And as a rugby league coach, you have many different jobs. Some include being a mentor, a teacher, a leader, a counsellor, and a drill sergeant. One of the most important roles as a coach is getting the best out of your players. If you are there to get the best out of your players, who is there to get the best out of you as a coach? It's RLCM. They've been providing coaching educational material to their coaches since 1993 through their flagship publication, Coach Talk, DVDs, and Drill Books. All this material is now available online through your very own RLCM membership, which gives you access to hundreds of articles and videos on coaching rugby league. In addition to this, you also receive access to online courses, an invitation to the monthly coaching webinar, plus a new edition of Coach Talk every month. State your 30-day free trial. Just visit rlcm.com.au and join us as a foundation member today. All right, well, that wraps us up for this week. Uh, next week's podcast might be out um, on the Wednesday. If I can get it done on the Tuesday, I will, but I've got a very big day on Sunday. I'm running around for Beyond Blue in the city to surf, so um, I'll be out at Ravisi's after that having a few celebratory uh, drinks, um, and then I'll be around the rocks um, living it up after you know a hard slog, a few months training, and um, obviously the injury. So I'm, I'm very happy that the physios have got me back, and I'll be able to run on the weekend and raise some money for Beyond Blue, who are doing really, really good things for men's health um, in regards to depression and anxiety, so on and so forth. So if you've got uh, got it in you, get out and have a run on Sunday. Jump into the city to surf. Uh, if not. You know, stay at home, sit on the lounge, drink coffee, read the paper. Happy days. Um, have a good weekend. Enjoy this round of rugby league. I think, obviously, now we're looking at moving rounds and teams are going to start building momentum. So I think you're really going to see some teams take off over the next few weeks as they uh, make their run towards this premiership. And I will speak to you guys again either next Tuesday or Wednesday. And that'll be our last episode uh, with just me riding solo. And then we'll be back the following week with Louis. He's going to be back from Europe. And Mr. Gossip will be back from his mid-season hiatus. All right, guys, enjoy your week. Enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where are you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.